Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Monday, July 12, 2021. Stand up for your freedom. All right. Joe Biden's schedule. Not exactly a manic Monday, as the song goes. Wish it were Sunday. That's my fun day. I think every day is a fun day for President Biden because today all he had was one fifteen, a meeting with the attorney general, local leaders, including law enforcement, about his comprehensive strategy to reduce gun crimes. Another meeting. We've had lots of meetings, lots of chatting, lots of talking, not a lot of action, not a lot of uh, concrete plans, a lot of meetings. So that's it. That's what President Biden did today. All right, this is a lead story you'll see nowhere else, but I think it's very instructive and uh, important. So a big soccer game yesterday, uh, England versus Italy for the European title. ESPN carried it in the States. And in Europe, this is major. In, In USA, not so much. I mean, I watched it. I switched off uh, back and forth between the Mets, who lost in a grisly way. Uh, I watched the soccer game. Soccer's boring. It is. I understand the game, and it is uh, very athletic. But the defenses now have totally overwhelmed the scoring, and the game ended in a 1-1 deadlock. But I didn't care about the game so much. I wasn't really rooting for anyone. As you may know, the English crown took my ancestors' land and threw them off the land, did horrible things to them. A little hard for me to root for England, but I lived there a year. I have a lot of friends over there. Italy, I like Italy. They never did anything to me, but they always win. So I was uh, a little ambivalent about the whole thing. But here's what I wanted to see. In the beginning, they played the national anthems of both England and Italy. Roll the tape. Okay, so do you notice the difference between the English and Italian soccer players and the American athletes during the national anthem? I mean, let's put the kneeling aside for a moment. The American athletes, not too many of them singing, a lot of scratching, some spitting, you know, a, lot of, a lot of this, but not a lot of singing, not a lot of, uh, hey, you know, we're Americans here. Not so much. And the kneeling during the national anthems, of course, is commonplace now. There was some kneeling by the English team um, before the anthem, but not during. During, they were singing. You know, before uh, some of the English players, and there's an Italian player, I guess. I mean, and it's the same thing that uh, minorities are not treated well in England and uh, Italy, so we kneel uh, to try to improve that. Uh, Okay. But there's a reason why they all sing when the camera's on them in the beginning. I'm going to tell you the reason in a moment. But first, I want to show you one of our Olympic athletes, uh, the despicable Megan Rapinoe. Go. This is America. 
make no mistake about it. I think we showed uh, very much our true colors. This is not the first time we've seen a murderous mob like that. Um, I think, you know, uh, uh, unleashing a white supremacist mob is nothing new to America, as, um, you know, people of color, black and brown, uh, know that very well. Right, she hates her country. She's a American woman soccer player, obviously. Um, and she's been lionized and glorified by the media for hating her country, just like Colin Kaepernick. The more you despise the United States, the more famous you get, the more lauding you get by our media. But not in England and Italy. If they dared, if any of those players dared, all right, to insult the national anthem or the national flag, they'd be run out. They, it wouldn't, they couldn't exist any longer. Because the European media, as liberal as it is, is nationalist. Each country is nationalist, all right? Whereas in America, the corporate media is hostile to the traditional values of this country. Now, after the game, uh, England lost on a shootout. There was a horrific racist display by some English people against the three black players who did not score in the shootout. Now, I knew there was going to be trouble when I saw the English coach choose a 19-year-old black kid, black player, to be the last shootout guy. And he didn't score because he was scared to death. That was one of the worst sporting decisions I've ever seen. Don't put a 19-year-old kid in there when the whole world is watching you up against a veteran Italian goalie. You don't do that. And I felt very bad for the kid. Well, anyway, after the Italians beat them two to one, all of this Twitter garbage coming out, anti-black stuff. It was horrifying. And rightfully so, Twitter stopped it. Rightfully so. So that tells you this, is, this problem of skin color, not just here. It's everywhere. And it's an individual decision on how to treat people of a different color. Okay? So, in America, we have some race problems that nearly as many as the press would have you believe. But in England and Italy as well, they've been very, very tough. Scandinavia, Germany, France, you name it over there. And they have worse problems than we have. And they don't even deal with the slavery issue. Did you know in Italy, all right, there's so many black Africans coming across the Mediterranean Sea from North Africa that the Italian government is refusing, all right, refusing, even if they may die, to take them. In fact, if you're a ship captain and you're, and you're transporting them across, you're going to get fined a lot of money. They, their immigration is, is about as restrictive as you could possibly get. Maybe Greece is worse. Greece has put up that big fence next to Turkey. So this, this stuff about America being evil and every single nation in the world has this kind of stuff. And it's personal weakness, right? It is a mental illness. And I mean that 
literally, a mental illness to despise somebody of a different color and to chastise a person of a different color. And that goes black, white, white, black, and goes everything. It's a mental illness. And we have a lot of mentally ill people. But the difference is, in America, the press loves this because it tears down the fabric of what they see as the white supremacist society. Whereas in England and Italy and other countries, more racist than we are. Don't you dare insult the anthem or the queen or the Italian anthem. Don't you dare. You'll be ostracized. That is the difference. And very, very few people understand that. I've sp- I lived in England for a year, spent a lot of time in Italy. I've, I know both countries very, very well. I know the whole European Union well. France? Are you kidding me? They hate Muslims, generally speaking, over there. And vice versa. I mean, there are neighborhoods in Paris where police are afraid to go. You know that. You've heard that. It's true. So we need in America to stop this racist garbage, to stop it. And each person is responsible. But the media here, I got to tell you, this is what the situation is. They're never going to tell you about the racism and classism in England. Do you know when you're 16, you have to take a test in England. You have to take a test called the General Certificate of Secondary Education. All right. The GCSE. If you don't do well on that test, say you're a slow learner, say you don't mature quickly, you're not going to college because there are very few private colleges in Great Britain and they're astronomically expensive and the working class people can't afford them. So your kid at 16, his his or her whole life is in this test. You can't like blossom when you're 18. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that Americans have no blanking clue about. We offer the most opportunity to the most people, yet our media tearing us apart. Okay. I figured you'd uh, find that interesting, and I hope you did. What else do I have for you? Cuba. Jesus Christ, Cuba. I roll a tape on this. So finally, Cubans are saying, hey, we got COVID all over the place. We don't have anything to eat. We don't have any fuel. We don't have any air conditioning. We don't have any freedom. We don't have anything. All right? And this is since 1959. So they're out in the street because Fidel and Raul are history. They're gone. So there isn't a charismatic dictator at running at any time. So you would think that the Biden administration would be, hey, alone. good. Let's get back to capitalism in Cuba. Well, I'm, I'm going to be fair about this. Here's a statement from Biden. I don't think it's bad, but I want to know what you think. Quote, the Cuban people are bravely asserting fundamental and universal rights. Those rights, including the right of peaceful protest, the right to freely determine their own future, must be respected. The United States calls on a Cuban regime to hear their people serve their needs at this vital moment rather than enriching themselves. There's a little uh, enriching themselves is so much corruption in Cuba. When I was there a few years ago, it was unbelievable. It was incredible. Uh, how does people, I don't know, that island 90 miles from Florida, that could be one of the most lucrative, successful systems in the world. And the reason I got so much COVID and all that, because they don't have any doctors. Oh, we have free medical care, says Bernie Sanders. 
Oh, yes, free education, says Bernie Sanders. Well, the doctors are gone because they're not going to make any money in Cuba. Boom. Once they get their medical degree, their history, they're gone. So there's no COVID. You get it, you die. Afghanistan is another mess. All right, so uh, Joe Biden, and I don't even think he knows where Afghanistan is. I know that's a cheap shot, but does anybody have confidence that Joe Biden knows anything about Afghanistan? I've been there. All right, I know it. Does Joe know it? No. So we, Joe pulls out all the troops on Friday, July 9th. You may remember. Not a big story. Nobody cares about Afghanistan here. You should care. Why? Because since 2001, the 9-11 attacks, we have spent $2.3 trillion of American taxpayer money in Afghanistan trying to install a system that gives the people freedom. That's $2.3 trillion. 2,300 Americans dead, 21,000 wounded in 20 years. That's why you should care. And a lot of these wounded have their arms and legs blown off. We help them through independencefund.org. Okay. So Biden, he pulls them all out. Mistake. You don't keep them there. 20 years is enough. But you leave a what they call a residual force. Residual force. All right? In Bagram Air Force Base. Enormous Air Force Base. I flew in there. Okay? That's where you leave 1,000 U.S. troops so they can rescue people. They can keep order. No. Joe pulls them all out. Because Joe is a big leftist and the war is bad. Okay. All right. So uh, the Pentagon press secretary, a guy named John Kirby, goes on Fox News yesterday. Go. So this is a moment of leadership. And uh, you heard the president talk about that the other day. It's their right and responsibility now to defend their citizens and their country. And I think when we look back, whatever the outcomes are, Chris, we're going to look back and we're going to be able to say that it came down to leadership, civilian leadership and military leadership in the field. <laughs> You know what that means? We know it's gone. Why is it gone? Because the Taliban are Muslim fanatics. They're Islamists. All right. And they want to impose Sharia and this draconian government that they had before that led to Al Qaeda rising up and killing us. They were based in Afghanistan. If you remember, some of you are too young, you won't even remember. But that's where Al Qaeda was centered. So after 9-11, we went in, wiped out the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Now, I'm writing all about this in Killing the Killers will be out in November. And you'll, the stuff that we found out is unbelievable. But the, for 20 years, America has tried to train an army, to train a society, to develop education so the Afghan people could have a shot at freedom. They don't want it. Not all of them, the secular Afghans, they're not as powerful as the Taliban. They're not as motivated, all right? And Afghanistan is a tribal society. Most people can't read or write. Most people don't have electricity. They live in their little towns they've lived in for thousands of years. It's a, they, they grow poppies, heroin. That's how they make money over there. They're not going to stop. You're not going to convince them. The Taliban comes down. Yes, yes, yes. They're not going to fight them. So Afghanistan is going to go back to the Taliban. It's almost 100% guaranteed. Not Weasel Kirby. You know, well, it's all about readership. Yeah. Come on. Uh, anyway, 
And when it falls, Biden's going to go, oh, it's not our fault. And it isn't our fault. We did the best we could do there. So you're going to have a big mess. All right, Donald Trump uh, at uh, CPAC in Dallas. That's a conservative group. He speaks for an hour and a half. <laughs> that's, a lot. that's a lot of Trump. His strength of his speech was contrasting his policies to Biden's policies. I mean, if you just listen, you separate emotion, you just go, here's what Trump did, here's what Biden doing, is no comparison. The weakness of the speech is that once again, President Trump is trying to, I don't know whether it's justify or what, the Capitol uh, riot on January 6th, stay away from that. That was bad. All right. I, I, you know, it was bad. You don't invade the Capitol. And for you people who have some kind of sympathy for these invaders, if it were Antifa, would you? Would you? If Antifa broke into the U.S. Capitol while Congress was in session, would you be saying, oh, yeah, not so bad? No, you wouldn't. Nobody does that. And for President Trump to even get on that, I I just. okay. COVID. Um, Now, L.A. County, the biggest county in the country. Um, And this is another very, very interesting story, because there are Americans, mostly conservative, who don't want to be vaxxed. And they don't believe in it or whatever it may be. They don't want to be vaccinated against COVID. That's your right. As an American citizen, nobody can force you to be vaccinated. Uh, They can say you can't go to public school. Measles, you know, they have that. They can say that. They can say you can't work here if it's a private company. That if you're unvaccinated, you can't work here. Now, there are exceptions. There are people whose doctors will say if they take the vaccine, it's going to have an adverse effect on them. Yeah. Okay. And that should be honored and respected. But... You know, I, I get mail all the time. Joe Biden's going to come to my house and ask me if I'm being vaccinated. No, he's not. This is all Internet hooey. Okay, government has no right to know anything. It's your doctor. Now, you get issued a vax card when you're vaccinated, and some people will ask, and if you want to show it to them, you show it to them. If you don't, you don't. But they can say, hey, you can't come in here if it's private, not if it's public. All right, so if the government office, they can't keep you out. You want to go and sit in the unemployment office without a VAX card, you can. You want to go over and sit in uh, Hertz, rent a car office, you can. Okay. So in L.A. County, um, there are a thousand new coronavirus cases in a day. I'm trying to get the exact day. Friday. Thousand. All right. That's up huge. And the county public health director, Barbara Ferrer, I'm quoting now, says that nearly 100 percent of the new cases are among those not fully vaccinated. Okay, that makes sense, right? So the vaccine is the reason that you and I had a pretty good weekend. I hope you did. So we can go to a restaurant now, go to movies, we can go out, we don't have to wear the mask because the vaccine has brought down the COVID cases, big time, in the USA. Hasn't brought them down in Ireland. I can't go to Ireland. I wanted to go this summer. I can't. Can't go. 
They don't have the vaccine. Everybody's sick. India, everybody's sick. Brazil, they're all sick. No vaccine. I'll get to Japan in a moment for the Olympics. So anyway, there, but there is a crew that's basically saying, don't get vaccinated. Don't do this, don't do this. That is your right to do. But it goes against all the evidence that you see right before your eyes. Now, I would never tell anybody to get vaccinated. I did. All my family did. I'm not going to tell you to do it if you don't want to do it, because that's a personal medical decision. You should confer with your doctor. Absolutely should do that. But there was a reference to this at CPAC, and then people applauded, and then Fauci went on TV and go, oh, I don't know what they're applauding. You know, that's politics. Shouldn't be about politics. This whole thing shouldn't be about politics. Should be about you and your health and me and my health and the whole country's health. Anyway, back to L.A. So now they got a, a rising problem in L.A. And they're trying to get people to get vaccinated. The main people who aren't, there's two categories of people who are not getting vaccinated. Ideological people who believe that it's some kind of government thing. They don't trust me- medical science. They don't think it's good. They think they're going to be uh, unintended consequences, whatever it may be. And they're not going to do it. I know people like that. There is no persuading them. Not, not going to do it. All right. And then there are the people who just don't know what's going on. I'm telling you, there are so many more of these people than we think. They just don't know what's happening. That was the reason that the COVID epidemic spread so quickly in the beginning, because people just didn't get it. They weren't listening. Do you know how many people I know? And you know them too. They don't know anything. There's no information flow coming into them from the outside world. Now, you guys are motivated. I mean, you're here uh, watching me on BillOReilly.com. You're a premium member, concierge member. You're watching on the first. You listen on WABC radio. These are information vehicles, and you want information. All right? But there are so many people who never do that. Never. And that's what's going on in L.A., there's a subculture. People just go, oh, I'm vaccinated. I don't know. I have to do. Where do I go? What do I do? I don't want to go there. I don't. I, 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 ah. Now, if you are vaccinated, you're protected from those people. But if you're not, then there's a good chance you're going to get COVID. So that's what's going on there. Now, I told you that I thought that they should cancel the Tokyo Olympics. And um, they begin on July 23rd. It's coming right up. Was that about a week? No. About, let's see. It's about two weeks. So Wednesday of this week, um, athletes arrive. Now, Japan, sophisticated country, right? Right? I mean, they have all the labs. They defeated Godzilla 18 times. Uh, you know, nobody's vexed. Well, I don't have the vex. I don't have it. 15%. 15%. So there's a lockdown over there. There's disease all over the place. Athletes from all over the world going in, and you don't have to be vaxxed. The Olympic Committee says, uh-uh, we're not going to force you to show a vax card. Got to get tested, but you don't have to be vaxxed. Now, this is going to lead to disaster. Even though there's not going to be any spectators, they're keeping these athletes in a bubble, you know how people are. They're going to be out and about. So what a disaster this is going to be. You mark my words. And there's going to be a competition. 
I, I just can't even imagine. I hope I'm wrong. And if I am, I'll tell you I'm wrong. So the Olympics are July 23rd to August 8th. It's all about money. It's all about big NBC money, worldwide rights. Um, that's why it's happening. Why didn't they just put it up the next summer? You know, then 80% of Japanese will be vaxxed. Because we have to give it to them. USA has to give it, the vax, to everybody. They can't develop it on their own. Gee, I wonder how Trump got that done. You'll find out in the history tour. Okay, so uh, I've been very hard on the media because I think the media is a corrupting influence in this country and a destructive influence. Other commentators have it well, mostly on the right. Um, Now, local news media and some nationals as well are getting threatened. Now, do I feel bad? I'm going to answer that question at the end of this segment. So TV crews are increasingly threatened with violence by civilians when they go out to cover stories. 86% of local news directors have changed newsroom procedures to protect their employees. 86%. And some of them have given their journalists bulletproof vests. So I did local news for a long time. And I remember getting attacked on a number of occasions. In New York City, I was standing on top of a live truck doing a live shot when the Rolling Stones were in town at Madison Square Garden. People were throwing rocks and bottles. Maybe they just didn't like me, but it was was pretty intense. I've been through this, and I'm not even bothered getting into what I went through overseas. It was really bad. Then it was guns and stuff. Um, But here... A Raleigh, North Carolina TV reporter um, got out of a car to do a stand-up, and a guy stole his car. In San Francisco, uh, they stole a van. They'll steal anything in San Francisco. Um, And they were armed. Guys had guns, took the van, the news van, from the crew. In Miami Beach, when there were unruly crowds, you might remember spring break, uh, COVID, all that, There were some uh, people in the crowd who physically pushed and shoved and punched uh, Miami TV reporters. So now there's been a bill introduced by the very liberal Congresswoman Eric Swalwell, who says that he wants a law, federal crime, to intentionally intimidate or cause bodily harm to a journalist. Federal law. I don't think we need that. I think the state and locals have the local laws that they just have to enforce. But I thought you'd like to know what was going on. So uh, what are you doing this uh, summer vacation time? What are you going to (laughs) do? I'm like Mr. Vacation Advice, by the way. I've been everywhere. So if you want vacation advice, just write me a letter. And if you're a concierge member, I'll, I'll set you up. Anyway, so Richard Branson, he's the virgin guy, a billionaire. Uh, he's got a, uh, an outfit called Virgin Galactic. So he goes 54 miles up into space. Okay? Why? I asked my crew, I said, why? Why do you want to go 54 miles in space? And here's the reason. You ready? Number one, you are able to see the darkness of space. All right. Number two. You can look down at planet Earth and see the curvature of the round planet. Mm-hmm. And third, you experience no gravity. You unbuckle your seatbelt and you kind of float around. All right. That's it. So 
dark. You can see Earth. I guess you got a little telescope or something. You can see it. And then you can float around. 250000 bucks. <laughs> so uh, Branson's uh, already, already taken orders for this. Now, this is a rumor, but already on the list are Leo DiCaprio, Tom Hanks, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, although they can't go together because it'd be intergalactic warfare if those two go together. Russell Brand, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, Justin Bieber, and Ashton Kutcher. There's a rumor that they, they're booked. They want to go up and spend 250000 to uh, look at the darkness. <clears throat> so I'm not going. All right, I've seen a lot of darkness. If I want to go to the planetarium, I can see the round Earth kind of thing. And if I want to float around, I can't really do that. All right, but I can pretend. So for a quarter of a million dollars, I think I'd rather give it to independencefund.org and the people who got hurt in Afghanistan and Iraq and help them out rather than float around 55 miles above the planet. Now, I'm not going anywhere. I went to Wyoming. You know that. I'm staying uh, on Long Island, one of the best summer places on Earth, by the way, um, for the rest of the season. And then I got to I got to travel a little bit in the fall because we're doing the Trump shows in December. Um, but I'm kind of based here. Now, here's an interesting story, a uh, pop culture story for you. 50 years ago this year, Eagles, it's not the Eagles, it's just Eagles formed their group. All right, so the original members, Glenn Fry, he passed away in 2016, Don Henley, he's 73 years old, Bernie Layden, he's 73, and Randy Miser, he's 75. They were the original Eagles. So they got together in Los Angeles to sing backup for Linda Ronstadt in 71. All right. And they're good. And um, then they went out on their own. And they have sold in 50 years. Let me get the stat. It's an incredible stat. They have sold 150 million albums worldwide. So the Killing series has sold 19 million. <laughs> the Eagles have sold 150 million albums. And listen to how much money they make touring. So in 2019, they did 29 shows. They made 75 million in the 29 shows. Um, and now they already have $800 million in the bank for future tours. So apparently they're going out in August, September, and October to do the Hotel California tour. So the band now, and I saw them last, I saw them in 19. They got Vince Gill, Deacon Fry, who's uh, Glenn Fry's son. Vince Gill is unbelievable. He's fantastic. Now, in writing about Eagles, not the Eagles, the New York Daily News, which is going bankrupt, called them one of the worst bands ever. They're not. In, in person, they're a fabulous band. They are amazing in the, in the way they harmonize and the way they play. Now, I don't like all their songs, but I'm appreciative of their artistry, okay? It's a crazy band. There's no doubt about it. Henley sues everybody. Miser, I think, sued. Layden, I, I don't know whether he sued or not, but it's a crazy band. You know, and they break up and they're this and they're that. 
Well, they're good. And um, they, I believe, have sold more records than any other band in the United States of America. And that includes the Beatles. Could be wrong about that because it's like back and forth. So 50 years ago this year, this summer, Eagles came into existence. Okay, we got a good mail segment. And then we have a um, final thought that you're going to like. I got hosed this morning. I got shafted this morning. I'll tell you all about that. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been delivering on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices of America's greatest heroes. Heroes who put their lives on the line to protect our country and our communities. Heroes like Bristol, Connecticut Police Sergeant Dustin DeMonte. After responding to a domestic violence incident, he sustained fatal gunshot wounds. He left behind his expectant wife and two children. Thanks to the generosity of people like you, Tunnel to Towers paid the mortgage on the DeMonte family home, lifting a financial burden. As his loved ones mourned the decorated officer's loss, they welcomed a miracle, the child he would never get to meet. So many families need your help. Please help America's heroes and their young families. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good in their honor. 95 cents out of every dollar you donate goes to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. All right, let's do some mail. Let's begin with Michael Johns, Louisville, Kentucky. Great show, Bill. And your advice to President Trump comparing a comeback for him to Winston Churchill was brilliant. That one program was worth the annual subscription price to BillOReilly.com. Well, we got very, very good reviews on the Trump interview last Thursday. If you haven't seen it, you should try to watch it. Um, The reason is that for whatever reason, when I get together with Donald Trump, the BS flies out the window. It's he focused. He answers my questions. And a lot of times he's not focused. He goes all over. Now with me. And I thought it was, you know, I, I always second guess myself. Well, maybe I should ask him that or this or that. But I thought it flowed nicely. I thought you got a different look at Donald Trump. You got a preview of what we're going to do in December in Fort Lauderdale, Orlando, Dallas and Houston. And just go to BillOReilly.com. We'll click you right over for that. Um, and Donald Trump, I know he's he's amazingly, amazingly polarizing. But if you just look at what he did. And that's what I always concentrate on. It helped the country, in my opinion. Paul Worley, St. Louis, Bill, President Trump doesn't seem to realize that he is the most controversial president in history. He can't divide his accomplishments from the hatred of him, even by normally sensible people like my liberal friends who hate him for his personality rather than love him for his accomplishments. He didn't want to answer the question when I said, hey, how does it feel to be the most controversial president in history? He didn't want to answer that. But he is. The second was Andrew Johnson. I'm not going to get into that now. But there's not even a close third. Maybe Warren Harding. I, you know. But there has been never been. But remember, he's not a politician. He comes at it from a totally different point of view. And the media across the board tried to crucify him. That's not making an excuse. It's just putting things into historical perspective. Julia Whittem, Saratoga Springs, Utah. 
I listened to the Trump interview. I'm still convinced that if Donald Trump runs again, we will be stuck with another Democrat. He's both arrogant and controversial, two things the independents do not like. If he really loves America, he will move aside for Ron DeSantis. Uh, I don't think I'd put that burden on him. I think he loves his country. Uh, I think he believes that he's best. I think Governor DeSantis is very strong. And that's why it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Margaret De Rocher, Seal Beach, California. Steve Bannon is still fighting for Donald Trump. What is their relationship? What happened between them? Now, Margaret, how would I know? How on earth would I know? I, I know that Mr. Bannon's doing a podcast. I know that his politics line up with Donald Trump. But I wouldn't have any, you know. And I don't believe press reports, so I, I wouldn't know. Mary Claire Patterson, Durango, Colorado. Loved your column today, Bill. The Wake Me When It's Over. Now, Durango, Colorado, Mary Claire, I, I hope you realize how fortunate you are to live there. It's one of the most authentic towns in America, southwestern Colorado, unbelievably beautiful, not ruined by tourism because it's hard to get there. But when I was in Durango, I went, whoa, what a great place. And I'm glad you liked the column. David, wokeness is a fad. Some people always want to participate in the latest popular thing, whether it makes any sense or not. We all know that fads come and go. Well, yeah, I think so. I think three years from now, two years from now, wokeness will be a joke, like disco, although I like some disco songs. Um, Wokeness is a fad. But as I wrote in a column, and I hope everybody reads, Wake Me When It's Over on BillOReilly.com, as I wrote, I don't know any woke people. Nobody will admit it around here on Long Island. Hollis Merrick, Matthews, North Carolina, love the no-spin news and your no-nonsense approach by Husband finally got me listening to you last spring, and I'm hooked. I never thought I'd find politics interesting, but you make it so darn entertaining. You know, spread the word, Hollis. We want to, uh, you know, we're going to go on a marketing campaign soon to get more people. And we have tons of people now, but we, we're greedy. We want to dominate in this world. Lisa, Bill, uh, will there be any shows with you and President Trump anywhere near New Jersey? Maybe. we got to see how the first four go. They go, well, then uh, I'm taking a look at the Atlantic City Convention Center. You never know. Christopher Schroeder, Vermillion, Ohio, just recently bought Killing the Mob as a late 50th birthday gift to myself. As with the other Killing books, you and Martin Newgard have delivered yet again a thrilling page turner. Mob still is number one again yesterday. Still a killer, pardon the pun, in the marketplace. Took me by surprise. And it's so successful, the publisher says, hey, you got to get another one out. So we got Killing the Killers coming out for Christmas, early November. Okay, so uh, you become a premium concierge member, whatever you get, Killing the Killers, Killing the Mob, whatever you want, free. So check out BillOReilly.com. Where do they know derision when writing to us? Bill at BillOReilly.com, Bill at BillOReilly.com, name and town if you wish to opine. Back with a final thought on how I got hosed this morning. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. 
But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Okay, final thought of the day. I got a little eye thing going on. I don't know what it is, a little blurriness in the, this eye. So I made an appointment with the eye doctor, and I have the best assistant in the world, been with me almost 30 years. She calls up the doctor's office, gives them all my information, 85 insurance, this, that, and the other thing, height, weight, this, history, COVID, vax, everything you can imagine. Okay? Okay. So I walk in, I get the first appointment, 7.30 in the morning, because I got to get out and work. Walk in, there's a guy. Guy said, couldn't understand him. I said, sir, I can't understand you when you speak. Okay. I don't know. Couldn't understand him. Hands me a thing. I got to fill out all the paperwork that my assistant already gave them. Not happy, but I do it. Then I'm sitting there. Nothing's happening. So I go up to the woman on the counter. I said, I'm the first appointment. Is the doctor going to see me? Two hours. <laughs> what? Two hours. Uh, no. Out of there, gone. Now, this is why you need a good doctor. You can't, and I looked around in the waiting room. There were elderly people like crazy. They were scared. They didn't know what was going on. A lot of these doctors, I mean, oh, two hours? Now, did I curse? No. Was I angry? Yes. They were the worst. And I really should give you the name, but I'm not. But... If this can happen to me, I mean, I'm, I'm stunned. Two hours? All I want you to do is take a look at my eye. Two hours? You need a good lawyer who cares about you very hard. You need a good doctor who cares about you. You need a good financial planner. You've got to have them in this world. We'll see you tomorrow.